Where does the time go? Seems like only yesterday I was planning a 50th episode and now it's been posted for almost two weeks and I haven't done another one. Been on a bit of a sabbatical. But I'm back. This is the Eclectic Monk just in time to talk about Halloween. So, in a truly eclectic collection of random thoughts and scattered ideas, I want to share with you some of my past, some of the films that you should watch, some of my own traditions, and a brand new song that is titled simply Autumn that I hope you'll enjoy. So, here we are, episode 51, moving forward. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. So I've always loved autumn. That is my favorite time of the year by far. Just got back from a really neat uh, camping trip with my brother and we sat and burned wood and watched the leaves fall. It was awesome. And um, and we talked about a whole lot of stuff and some of the things we talked about were just list. And so I want to give you some list in this episode of films that I think you should watch. Now, I'm not going to break down the plots. I'm not going to make any spoilers. Some of these are all films that you have probably heard of if you haven't seen, but uh, they're all movies that are, you know, Halloween themed and things that I think that you should watch. So the first uh, category is silent horror films. I love silent films. I think they're they're fascinating. They're a fascinating time capsule as we watch them. Uh, you see bits and pieces of old Hollywood if they're shot there or, or Germany uh, where a lot of these films were made. And just the inventiveness of this brand new medium as as filmmakers were discovering what they could do with film. It's pretty interesting to watch. Now, most people are, you say silent movies, you think Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and the comedies, which are all fantastic, and, and that's a podcast in and of itself. What you may not know is there were some really, really great horror films. And in fact, I would almost say that the silent film medium lends itself to the creepiness that makes horror so effective, maybe even better than... Uh, the later films, once they began talking, certainly better than the hack'em, slash'em, blood splatter and gore films of modern day that you know, are just gross. So here are a list of films uh, in no particular order except by release date that I think you should watch. And if you're going to watch a silent film, just remember it's not quiet. There's usually there's music that goes along. But you have to pay attention. That's one of the great things about them. You have to sit down, have your popcorn ready, and put on the film, and then watch it intently. And I promise you, within five or ten minutes, you will be engrossed in these films. So, here they go. 1920, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, starring Conrad Veet. 
this is a German expressionist film. It's really, really creepy. Uh, it's a good movie. It's a short one, but it's a good one. And this is a good place to jump into silent horror. I really like this film. Also from 1920, you have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde starring John Barrymore. That's right, Drew Barrymore's grandfather, John Barrymore. Um, this is a, again, it's a really good story. We all know, you know the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but the way the film is done is really, really well done. And um, there are some really creepy scenes in this film. From 1922, you have Nosferatu starring Max Schreck, another German Impressionist film, and the very first vampire film ever shot. Uh, of course, Bram Stoker was still alive, wouldn't let them use the name Dracula, so they changed the name, but it's essentially the Dracula story. But this is a creepy vampire, and this is a really interesting film. You should watch it. 1923, you have Lon Chaney starring in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And of course, they they redid this as a talkie later on, but the original silent version, I think, is more effective uh, and a really good film. Same is true with 1925's The Phantom of the Opera, also starring Lon Chaney. These two movies show just what an incredible physical actor Lon Chaney was, as well as a makeup artist. Uh, you can't really even tell who it is, and you certainly would never know it was the same person playing those two characters. But both really effective uses of lighting, effective uses of mood building, and, um, and the acting is really good. Two good stories and really cool films. And the last one in my silent horror film list is not really a horror film, but it does have a horror twist. And again, I'm not going to give you the plot. I don't want to give it away. I'm just going to tell you, you need to see Pandora's Box. It's from 1929, starring Louise Brooks. And this is a really, really good movie. And there's, again, a, a interesting horror twist at the end of it. You just have to watch the film to know what I'm saying. Silent horror films that you need to watch. Also, there's, of course, the great Universal Monster films. And these are fun, right? They start in 1931, so the actually the first one was Dracula. Uh, and this one is it's just such a, a interesting film. There's actually no soundtrack. There's no music to the film. It's just Dracula. Great movie. 1931, you had Frankenstein as well. So they, they came out of the gate um, with those two films. Then you had The Mummy. In 1932, you had The Invisible Man in 1933, a very creepy movie. In 1935, you have The Bride of Frankenstein, which, again, one of those uh, sequels, sequels rarely live up to the original, but The Bride of Frankenstein actually did. It's in some ways a better movie than the original Frankenstein. It's got a little more coherent anyway, and a really good film. In 1941, you had The Wolfman. And then way ahead to 1954, my favorite of the Universal Monster films is The Creature from the Black Lagoon. So these are all great films. But I also have a list of just some random films that you should watch that I think are just good 
old horror films. So from 1964, you have The Last Man on Earth starring Vincent Price. Interesting enough, this movie has been remade several times. The Omega Man with Charlton Heston and then I Am Legend by Will Smith, all based on the same story. Actually, the name of the story was I Am Legend, but the first movie they made was The Last Man on Earth. I remember seeing this one on TV when I was a kid, and it scared the hell out of me. Then from 1957, there's The Incredible Shrinking Man. And this is a really interesting film. It's, it's, it's not jump scare. It's psychological. But it's a really, really interesting film, and you should watch this one. 1958, you have The Fly. Again, starring Vincent Price, the uh, master of horror. But The Fly is a, another one of those, it's almost a psychological film, more than a horror film. What happens when science goes wrong? And, and I'll never forget the ending of this film. Again, I saw it as a kid, and it really, really troubled me. I'm not going to tell you. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Then there's The Blob from 1958. Steve McQueen's first starring role. And, you know, we all know what the story of The Blob is. But it's a really interesting movie. Also from 1958, we had The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Now, if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what else. I mean, what will? 50-feet women running around due to atomic radiation is just too much fun. And finally, from 1962, The Brain That Wouldn't Die. This is a creepy movie, actually. The scientist has the head of the woman he loves, and he keeps the head alive so he can talk to her. And all she wants to do is die, but of course she has no arms, so she can't do anything. But then she begins manipulating him. Anyway, it is, it's a good movie, actually. It's cheesy. Don't get me wrong. But it's a pretty fascinating watch. So, The Last Man on Earth, Incredible Shrinking Man, The Fly, The Blob. The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman and The Brain That Wouldn't Die. All films that you need to watch. It's Halloween. You have permission to watch some great, golden, classic horror films. <sighs> anyway, those are some lists. I'm going to come back and tell you some history and, uh, and then wish you well on your tricks or treats. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. They came from a shadowy world that is shrouded in mystery. They came in the dark of night, a mindless, hungry horde. They came with only one goal, eat and survive. Don't miss the most terrifying cinema experience of the decade. Zombie Headhunters from Planet X. No matter what you have done, you are not prepared. The Dimension International Contributor starring Richard Tumper, Pan and a starving swarm of alien undead. Zombie Headhunters from Planet X. You have been warned. 
So as a kid growing up, we, um, we enjoyed tricks or treats. Of course we didn't enjoy tricks or treats. Who wouldn't enjoy tricks or treats? You go out, you put on your costume, you knock on your neighbor's door, stand there with your pillowcase or your brown paper bag and wait for them to fill it with all kind of incredible random things. Of course, then we get at home and your mom would have to go through it, pick out all the good chocolate, and then anything that looked weird, she would say probably was laced with LSD, and so you couldn't have that. And of course, you had to check any apples that you might have gotten to make sure no one had put razor blades in them. I don't know that anyone ever actually put razor blades in apples, but there was always that threat. So... I actually don't remember getting too many apples. We did get some popcorn balls. They were probably laced with LSD. But who knows? We weren't allowed to eat anything, though. <laughs> that looked weird. So, but costumes. Costumes were a thing, you know, and we were not affluent growing up, so we didn't get the cool Batman costume or Spider-Man or... Bugs Bunny, no. If we got a store-bought costume, it usually came from like Woolworth or the grocery store, Kmart maybe, and it was the cheapest thing on the shelf, which meant it was not a superhero or a cartoon character that you had ever seen before. But it would be some plastic mask that you could not breathe through. It had two tiny little nose holes and a tiny little mouth hole and I just remember how your face sweated with that, you know, and it was just the front. You had a rubber band that stuck to your head like that. And then you had the almost plastic feeling fabric that you just put on over your clothes, right? You just put the, you know, whatever it was. And, and they always made a big deal about it being non-flammable, which in the 60s when all the parents were chain smoking was pretty important because you could drop a cigarette butt onto a flammable costume and, you know, burn your kid up. They didn't want that liability, so we came out with a non-flammable plastic-like fabric that you could, you know, slip on over your clothes and vaguely look like some unknown comic book character or thing and go knock on the doors and, and get your stuff. But... Again, that was, a, that was money. It was easier to be a clown. You could get your mom's lipstick and put that on your face and put some powder and Vaseline on there, kind of clown up. The problem with that is, is that the lipstick would stain your face and you'd look like a clown for a couple of weeks after Halloween. So the one we typically went to was the hobo. Now, I know that in today's modern nomenclature, people don't know what a hobo is. Hobo, free man, riding the rails. We just call them homeless people now. But anyway, back in the day, all you had to do was put on your dad's old shirt, throw some mascara on your face and to make it a little bit dirty, grab your bag or your pillowcase and start knocking on doors. The hobo was the costume of choice. There were a lot of hobos. Uh, my wife even has the same story. You know, we, we laugh about dressing up like a hobo for the fourth year in a row because nobody wanted to buy the cheap plastic mask and nobody wanted to look like a clown 
halfway to Thanksgiving. So those were the costumes that we would typically put on. And then we would go and we would go knock on the doors and we would get the candy. And again, we would get, you know, our, your, I mean, you'd have a bag full of candy. You'd bring it home and you'd dump it out. And there was some candy that you always were excited when you saw it. You wanted that. And then there was some candy that you got that you just kind of threw to the side and, you know, you ate it later. I'm going to be honest. You ate it after the good candy was gone. But you had to eat it fast or your mom would come and eat your candy because she did that. Anyway, so the candy I was always excited to get. And, yeah, again, this is a list that, you know, people could fight over some of the stuff that I hated. But um, I loved Zots. Zots were great. little hard candy that had a little thing that once it kind of broke open, it fizzed in your mouth. Fantastic. Love Zots. We loved Atomic Fireballs. And it's so funny, you know, to think about it today. Atomic is not a word that we use very often, but back in the 60s and the early 70s, we were all waiting for the atomic bombs to fall on us. We were waiting for atomic warfare to break out, and we all knew that 50-foot women were created from atomic bomb testing. So atomic fireballs were simply cinnamon-flavored candy chunks that would burn your mouth. They were great. Also, we loved, uh, I loved candy corn. I know that's a bone of contention. Some people hate it. I like candy corn, especially like the ones that had the chocolate bit on it. Always good. Sprees, sweet tarts, craft caramels, especially the chocolate ones were really good. But craft caramels, I, I loved those. Um, then the Getz caramels, the little round ones with the little creamy center of them. If you got one of those, that was a score. Those were great. Of course, there were bit of honeys. You know, pull your fillings out, along with the now and laters and the kits. Kits are something that you don't see anymore, but they were like tiny little uh, now or laters, and they were really waxy, and they came in flavors like banana and strawberry and chocolate, and we used to love those. Uh, Bottle caps, another one. It came along pixie sticks. You had to love pixie sticks. Basically just, you know, Kool-Aid and a stick that you pour down your throat. Uh, and then any kind of, you know, candy bars, Milky Way, Snickers, Three Musketeers. If you got any of those, again, those are the ones that you usually ate while you were walking because you knew when you got home, your mom was probably going to, you know, make those disappear before you had a chance to eat them. Those were, those were great candies. Then there were the ones that weren't so good. There were those peanut butter things that were kind of wrapped in orange wax paper. I hated those. They were the last things that I ate. And you always got a bunch of them. They, they were either orange or black, like orange or black wax paper. And they were, they were not chewy, but they weren't hard either. They were somewhere in the middle, which basically means they were just cheap candy and, um, yeah, we choked those down, but not because we wanted to. Then you had the little marshmallow-filled crap. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they were came in like a little foil wrap thing, and you'd bite into them, and then it was just like some kind of cheap chocolate with some kind of marshmallow stuff in it. And I'd give those to my mom. I wasn't a big fan of Boston baked beans, which are peanuts that have some kind of coating on them that are just... Not delicious. Um, 
Now, goobers and raisinets, totally different thing. If you got the little boxes of those, now that was a big deal. But the Boston baked beans, eh, not so much. There was a thing called Chico sticks that some people, I'm sure, just thought were fantastic. I, I don't know who those people are, and I don't know why you think it's fantastic. If you're one of those people, we can argue about it because I thought they were kind of gross. But we ate them anyway after all the good stuff was gone. And then, and then there were all manner of like cheap little hard things, right? I mean, you know, and, and, and not like the, the, the squirrel nut zippers, which are kind of like a bit of honeys. Those are pretty good. But, but you had these little, little rectangle things that were, uh, it was kind of like that stuff that your grandma got at Christmas time, the ribbon candy that was just, it was just gross. And people would go out and, and you knew that these were the folks who had spent the very least amount of money possible to uh, take care of the kids at Halloween. And so those were the people who typically got the tricks because we did pull tricks at Halloween. It was not just tricks or treats. The adults were required to give us treats and we as kids were required to trick them for some reason. I don't know. Um, Usually you didn't start going out and doing, you know, the, the naughty things until you were a teenager. And uh, so you become the teenagers roaming around, you know, variety of things. And I'll be honest, I have actually participated in a few of the following activities. Not all of them, but a few of them. But I'm not going to tell you which ones I have actually done because I do not want to incriminate myself or find myself arrested after a very long period of time. So there were eggings. You could go and take a dozen eggs and throw eggs on people's houses or their cars. And, and that was mean. You know, looking back on it, it would actually take the paint off of somebody's house. And it was not a nice thing to do. But that was a pretty popular one because you could launch the eggs from a good distance. Then, of course, there was rolling the trees with toilet paper. This is probably the classic one where, you know, you go steal a couple of rolls of toilet paper and you chunk it up into the trees. If you do it right, it looks like Christmas on All Hallows Day. It really does. Um, and then people have to clean the toilet paper out of their trees or just wait for it to rain when it pretty much disappears. Then there's the old-fashioned pumpkin smash. You just go up late at night after the lights are out. You grab the smoldering, stinking, half-burnt pumpkin, and you take it into the driveway, and you bust it all over the driveway. Not a nice thing to do either, but, you know, again, you can clean that up with a water hose, or, you know, some dog will come eat it. If you really wanted to get extravagant, there was the flaming dog poop trick where you actually take a paper bag and you go and you find some dog poop and you put it in and you roll it up and you take it in front of someone's door and you light the bag on fire and ring the doorbell and run. And of course the person opens the door and comes out and supposed to stomp on the bag to put the fire out, which of course then they're stomping on the dog poop. And that was funny. Um, and then there's the burning mailbox trick. Uh, you could actually, back in the day, I know this doesn't happen much because newspapers aren't a thing anymore, but they used to have the newspaper box. You had a mailbox, then you had this plastic 
newspaper box that the paper man, when we don't have any more, would drive through and put the newspaper into the newspaper box. And if you stayed out late enough, the early paper would come through and you could go pull the paper out just a little bit, light it on fire and leave it in that plastic box. And then as the paper caught on fire, then the plastic mailbox thing would catch on fire. And then the entire mailbox would catch on fire and go up into a fiery, glorious conflagration to close out Halloween. Now, as I said, I have ashamedly participated in some of those events, but certainly not all of them. But there you go. And there were two things, two things that absolutely had to be done, and I still think have to be done on Halloween. First is you have to watch It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Released in 1966. It was actually the third of the Peanuts specials. The Christmas special was first. There was the second and little-known Charlie Brown's All-Stars. And then there was The Great Pumpkin, which, as far as animation goes and story goes, uh, they had more time than they did with The Christmas One. That's a great story. But uh, It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, has Snoopy flying the sop with Camel. It's got, you know, Lucy getting kissed by the dog, Charlie Brown getting the rocks, and, of course, Linus and Sally in the pumpkin patch, uh, and Charlie Brown and Linus having theological differences. So it's, it's a really, really classic special and has to be enjoyed on Halloween every night. And finally, uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, released in 1944. It's a Frank Capra film starring Cary Grant, Raymond Massey, Peter Lorre, Josephine Hull, and Gene Adair. And it's, it is a glorious, dark comedy. It is a dark comedy. There are really, really creepy moments. There are some scary things that happen in it, the least of which is that there are 12 bodies buried in the basement. But this is a funny, funny movie that I just love. Cary Grant at his best. Peter Lorre is just hilarious in this film. And you don't think of Peter Lorre as being a comedian, but he pulled it off great in this movie. You have to watch Arsenic and Old Lace on Halloween. So there you go. A whole bunch of random stuff. And again, it's promised. I do have a song to close this episode out with uh, called Autumn that I just recently uh, recorded, and it's just an instrumental, so I I hope you'll enjoy that. But I appreciate you uh, staggering along and hope that you enjoyed this. Go out and watch some of these movies. Just just make make it a habit to watch some of these films every year around this time. I think you'll enjoy them all. And until we meet again, travel well. Enjoy the journey. Watch out for things that go bump in the night. May God richly bless you. Thanks again. See you next time.
So I really, really do appreciate you listening to the podcast. And I appreciate you sharing it on social media or just by word of mouth. Appreciate you following it, liking it, rating it if possible on whatever outlet that you're enjoying it on. And appreciate all the encouragement that I've gotten along the way. The nine of you still inspire me. And I really, really thank you all from the very bottom of my heart. So again, till we meet again, God bless. Thanks.